Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur Show. So grateful you decided to spend your day, your afternoon, your evening, whenever it is you're listening to this with us right now. I love being in the gym with you. I love being in bed with you. And I love being in your life with you, wherever you're listening. This week, I'm so, so blessed, so excited. I have on the line, getting ready for, uh, for this conversation to bring to you uh, a startup entrepreneur, Ewan Poon. Now, Ewan, he's one things about Ewan is he's super unique because his Instagram and Twitter are his name, five letters. It's E U Y, sorry, E U W Y N. You win. It's so cool. I haven't met a lot of uh, people that have just their first name for their handles. But Ewan founded uh, a San Francisco based company called Spin and has raised over $8 million just in Series A uh, in, in, um, uh, as a startup launch phase. Uh, and now they're in dozens and dozens of US cities and campuses this year. What they're doing is doing scooter shares. Scooter shares. And I want to get into what this whole concept is, where it even started, and get into the brain of someone this genius to be one of the co-founders of this company. The core team is comprised of engineers, designers, operators, lawyers, public policymakers, uh, experience from Y uh, Combinator, Uber, Lyft, and all sorts of other technology companies. He's also uh, been a partner in several different startups, receiving venture capital, seed funding, and really believes in building strong teams and culture. His work's been featured all over in Wired and Inc. and New York Times, TechCrunch, and so many other places. Uh, Ewan, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Perfect. Yeah, good. Enjoying the sunny weather out here in San Francisco. And uh, a key detail. uh, Yeah, it is. And a key detail about Spin, obviously, we were actually acquired by Ford, the Ford Motor Company. Um, obviously a historic and uh, company of great pedigree back in November. And now we've been scaling uh, tremendously rapidly under uh, as one of their mobility units. Oh my gosh. I, I didn't realize that. I said, I didn't find that on, uh, <laughs> yeah. on, on the bio. I'm trying to do my research, getting ready for, yep. uh, for this kind of thing. So congratulations. First off, that's huge. Thank you. Yeah, it was quite a, quite a ride. No pun intended. <laughs> so uh, I do want to, I want to get into that and everything you've done, but you know, the first thing that to me is always so interesting about an entrepreneur like you, you know, you're one of these people that you've just done so many things and you're clearly, you're full of ideas and executing those ideas. Um, you know, you, you were born in Singapore and you moved to Canada when you were 10 years old and attended yeah. university by 15, for goodness sakes. Were you one of these people that have always been an entrepreneur as a kid? Were you like going to Canada and doing a lemonade stand and figuring things out to get by? Or is this something that you went into later in life thinking you were going to go down a certain track? No, I think I was always a, a, a hustler even before I knew the, the meaning of the word. It's funny that you mentioned the lemonade stand. I do remember in high school, uh, I would resell pizza. I would order in, uh, well, it was for me to, a way to get pizza myself. Um, but I realized there was, an, uh, there was an arbitrage opportunity to order whole pies and then resell them by the slice uh, during <laughs> lunch. And this is in high school. So how many entrepreneurs I've had on this show that have a story of like, I went to Costco and got the candy, you know, <laughs> or I of saw course, individual yeah. sticks of gum. Like this is such a great thing. So you saw that opportunity. 
And what did you end up like, you know, you recover the cost of the pizza plus you got to have lunch for free or did you profit from it? Oh, it was definitely different profit because uh, I mean, the, the markup on an individual slice was, you know, you could resell it for two fifty or $3 and the entire pie was like 10 bucks. You got you know, 10 to 12 slices of that. I remember that was, uh, that was something that, that stemmed out of an entrepreneurship or, or a business class in, in grade 10 or so. Um, so that was fun. And it really got me on the track of thinking about you know, how to make money for me. Um, it wasn't really just about making money, but creating value and, and solving problems. So not only was I in that instance, um, you know, making a profit on it, but delivering value to, to the fellow classmates made me, was fun and, and maybe a little bit popular. When you, cha- when you changed, I mean, country, for goodness sakes, at 10 years old, I feel like that's a pretty big event in a kid's life, uh, yeah. especially going to an English speaker. Did you already speak English? Um, I know, you know, English is fairly prominent in Singapore. And the second is, follow-up yeah. question is, was it, was it a hard transition, meaning like you came out of something that w- wasn't so good, or was it a positive transition? Uh, your family's excited to come here, and it was you know, all good things. What, what was the story of coming over in the first place as a kid? What was that like? It was about our family trying something different. And um, you know, we had a great time in, in Singapore, and it's a, it's a great uh, a training ground for me. Um, the Singapore is an English speaking nation. We are also, you know, we have almost two first languages. I was pretty fluent in Mandarin as well. Um, but having the, the, the native ability to speak English definitely made the transition easier for, for me moving over was in part, um, our family wanting to experience thing, experience something different and, uh, be in a country where there's a, a bit more freedom and, and possibilities. Um, Singapore is a bit of a small place. It's a great financial hub. Same time, it's not a huge market. Um, so uh, there's a lot of talent there and, and pent up uh, creativity that's, um, that, that's wanting to kind of explore more of the world. Um, fun part about Spin itself is that my, my two other co-founders are actually from Singapore as well. We didn't know each other as kids, but ended up reconnecting later in life in front of this company. Um, that, that's a fun aside. So I don't think you have that many Singaporean-led companies here in the U.S. Um, but growing up was uh, growing up in, in Vancouver was fun. It was a definitely definitely a culture shock. I do uh, credit that you know I I grew up in a predominantly West Coast Canadian culture. Became uh, uh, fully ingrained in in hockey and a huge Canucks fan to this day. Canucks. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, out of the playoffs this year, but uh, and for the last couple. Of uh, but still, um, still exciting for them. Uh, I, I did enjoy growing up in Vancouver. Uh, there was definitely a, a, a bigger sense of freedom and opportunity. Uh, and, and that's kind of what led to some of my, my own entrepreneurial pursuits. When, when, you, when you started really into this, what, what was your first major, major entrepreneurial pursuit? Was it the, uh, when you founded, is it, is it Opsy? In 2010, that was, or what was yeah, that? It was before that, actually. Yeah, the, I mean, there was some inklings of, of stuff that I was doing online back when I was a, a kid in high school. So apart from the pizza business, obviously, uh, I was running a, a website to uh, review computer hardware. Uh, I created something that uh, a website that would receive samples of the latest gaming equipment and uh, wrote reviews on them, primarily as a way to circumvent my parents my parents kind of restriction on my own spending on computer hardware. So that was a, a fun little uh, project that I ran in, uh, in high school and, and uh, earned some pocket money on the side. 
which got me substantial, a few thousand dollars in um, at the early days. This is back in 98 of um, online ad vendor revenue um, back when people were still earning like five cents a click. So that that was a, a bit of an experiment. And then I went to, went to college, um, somehow went to law school, um, was a corporate lawyer for a couple of years before kind of be getting the uh, the bug of of uh, building something. And uh, in fact, in uh, the tail end of my legal career, helped launch um, one of the first uh, vacation rental uh, websites. And this was something that was competing with uh, Airbnb at the time. And this was something that I was doing on the side and uh, really rekindled my, my passion for building things and solving problems and creating products. And you know, it's funny you, you mentioned that. I was going to ask you about, you know, going to law school and you, you don't see that very often with like, you know, I would call you probably a, I don't know, I don't want to pigeonhole you as a tech entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but a lot of tech, you know, and you've obviously done work with, uh, you know, um, Bitcoin accounts and you've done, you're doing mm-hmm. now, of course, but what, what were your parents like? Did, do you feel like going to law school, was that something that maybe was, did you have entrepreneur mom, entrepreneur dad, or were they, hey, you should go to school, you should get, you know, the big corporate job, and then you figured out it wasn't for you? What was the, <laughs> what was the impetus behind law school, and then what made you sort of change your trajectory? Um, my, my parents are great. My, my dad's uh, an entrepreneur himself in the, uh, um, in the window film business of, of yesteryear. I think uh, he was in, a, in the trading business in, in Singapore. My mom's a teacher. Uh, they've always supported education and and business at the same time. Um, my decision to dive into law was a bit um, a bit unique. I mean, I was uh, I was 18 years old when I graduated college, and uh, frankly speaking, I, I didn't really see myself being at any. Uh, I don't think I was ready to just head into the workforce or like have a full time job. And um, my my intellectual curiosity got the better of me, and I thought that law school was a fun thing to do and learn. Uh, and it seemed like at the same time a decent uh, profession to, to get into. Um, and overall, I had had a lot of great learning in it. So uh, that was a fun uh, decision, and um, and it, it's been helping me in my career. But ultimately, it sounds like it's a decision that kind of came, um, and don't take this the wrong way, but out of immaturity where you're still so young and going, well, that would be a cool thing, but this wasn't really your dream to do but you didn't have something else that you desired strongly. So you thought, why not chase this and why not go for it? How, how did you get into college at 15? Is that a thing in Canada? <laughs> Is that special for your unique status as, as you immigrated just a few years prior? How did that even happen, Doogie Hauser? I think uh, it was actually a byproduct of the, the Singaporean education system, which is, you know, I think that uh, it, it's, it's it's a definitely one of the more rigorous ones in the world, and from a from an early age, I was exposed to a lot of um, hard math and science and, and writing, and it definitely honed my skills on that front. And when I transitioned to when I moved to Canada, uh, I think some of the teachers were just just took notice that I was quickly getting bored of a lot of the, the daytime classroom activities, and they were and once they figured out you know where. Um, the education that I've already received, they, they realized that my some of the certain core skills were uh, were advanced for for those years. So uh, it's a big. It wasn't really special. I think it was just more of the uh, the a lot of time and, and effort and energy and 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 hard work as with anything in life um, gets you uh, a little further ahead. And, and it just so happens that in Singapore, a lot of that is concentrated up front. 
I remember going to, to, to school like from 6 a.m. to noon and then noon to 6 for, um, for supplementary kind of lessons uh, when I was growing up in, uh, in grades 1 to 3 back in Singapore. Uh, it sounds kind of nightmarish at, at this point, but I mean, if you look time, back on it, <laughs> I, 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 I guess I'd trade off, you know, uh, maybe future uh, successes, and and I would I, I owe a, a tip to the, the hard work that I would I was putting in and early on in life, and uh, it sounds like a decent trade. I mean, I don't I don't really remember my grade one to three years anyway, so uh, I'm glad I put them <laughs> to better use. Right, <laughs> looking back, would you? Would you do that all again the same way now, you know, with, with the experience you've had and what you've done with things? Would you have had more of a childhood? Not that you didn't, but right. Would you have right. played more or would you have done the same thing and then get ahead early like you did? No, I think that I, I totally would do this again. I think that uh, it's I, maybe it's in my personality as well to really uh, focus and concentrate times of, of work and play. I'm pretty... I like things pretty binary. I'm either kind of enjoying or working. And if I'm in, in a work mode, rather crunch it all, all at once and get the most out of it. Um, that, that's a style that uh, I guess is pretty, um, it, it is uh, emblematic of a lot of startup entrepreneurs. It's a lot of work that goes in, you know, spin was a crazy 18 months from start to uh, finish. Um, but, but, uh, that was, uh, uh, it's almost like 10 years of work compared, compressed into that amount of time. Right. Cause you, cause spin started, I believe it was 2017. So for seven, eight years, um, you founded and co-founded a few different companies and startups. Are there yeah. any that, that stuck out as, you know, actually, let me ask you this, the ideas, you seem like one of those idea kind of guys, you know, and I hope that you take this as a compliment. I'd put you okay, in yeah. Pride like an Elon Musk sort of mindset, right? Where you're, it seems like you look at the world and you go, there's a problem, there's a gap, there's something that could change, could shift. What if we provided the solution? What if we became the catalyst? Does that describe in a way you? And if so, have you figured out any ways to maybe to hone it or to duplicate your work? Meaning like how your mind works and how you see things? Because I think that's a valuable, valuable talent. And I don't know if people know how they tap into it or not. Do you know how you tap into that talent? Yeah, I look at it from from two ways. One is that I find myself pretty observant of inefficiencies, um, and and I, I don't know where that necessarily comes from. It's it's, it's that same uh, mindset that led me to see the opportunity and and or, or you know exploit opportunities like the the pizza delivery um, business when I had in in high school. Um, or in, in, in products around me. I'm a pretty product-oriented person as well. Uh, I do design and product work and I uh, and, and get hands-on and like to get hands-on in some of that uh, stuff. And I, and I spot ways in which um, the world around me is, is inefficient. Um, or another way to view it is that I'm just kind of lazy and I like to take advantage of, of things to smooth out and make my life even better. Um, being naturally some, somewhat uh, forgetful and, uh, and, and lazy. And, and really that's on, on a personal level is why I actually ended up, uh, you know, really got passionate behind the idea for, for spin. I mean, it, it is, a and really it stemmed from, um, a personal desire not to have to walk so much in a city and, and realizing that my, my movement, uh, in a city was, was being constrained by, 
um, Uber wait times and things like that. So um, being lazy and impatient sometimes pays off. Um, that's kind of one um, angle for for look for coming up with ideas. The other is just having seen in a lot of things. I think having a being from Singapore and um, growing up in Vancouver, having lived in New York, um, also upstate New York for for college in a small town, and now in San Francisco, um, I've been exposed to many different things and different ideas. The uh, idea for Spin actually um, came in part because of a, a time I spent in living in China and uh, was inspired by some business models around um, similar ideas with uh, pedal bicycles uh, that that I saw firsthand while living over there. Yeah, and and it's such an interesting concept. So when you're when you're observe, so number one, I hear you're observant, and then number two is lazy. And I I love the combination <laughs> of observant and lazy. Um, I think that yeah. might, maybe that's your next book is the lazy entrepreneur. <laughs> it's a special kind of lazy. I'm I'm still trying to, to no, figure I, out how to to best frame it. There's a, a certain special kind of like laziness out there, um, no, and it, it helps. It. It's super helpful. I mean, if you think about what a product is. It's designed to make our lives better. It, it, it finds gaps that it needs to fill. It finds repeatable processes that, um, that you, you want to eliminate with the use of software or other device. And uh, it, it takes that kind of, uh, we, that's what we, we humans have been trying to look for in, in order to advance ourselves and scale ourselves, right? So I, I think uh, there's a lot in that word, lazy. Yeah, which well, is, and, uh, with that right. mind. And we have to combine it with efficiency, I think, too, is. Um, you know, like if you're lazy enough, you go, basically we're trying to say, Hey, I, I don't want to do all this extra work. That's not needed. Right. If it's not mm-hmm. necessary, why in the world would I want to do that in the first place? Um, yeah. love it. so, so you're fixing things and you've had all sorts of venture funding and capital. I want to ask you a question just about that in general, before we get fully into, um, how spin has evolved. Mm-hmm. Being involved with so many different startups and capitals, uh, capital raising and whatnot, do you have any advice for someone if if we're an entrepreneur or a startup ourselves? How what are some secrets to you know obtaining the funding or or maybe setting yourself up in the right place if you think you want to be one of these startups? What mm-hmm. has won won people over? What are some of the aspects that um, have really made made you being able to acquire funding successful? I think it's it's um, being able to raise funding has been a byproduct of just building up a great network over the uh, over the years, and and that's something that I didn't appreciate. You know, when I was on the outside looking in, um, I recall you know before I dived into Silicon Valley, um, you would read all these stories on TechCrunch about so and so raising uh, however much, and it's really about the trust and and um, and and personal connections that you've built up over throughout your career. And that's ultimately raising capital is someone putting blind faith in you. And it really doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a, it's a result of social proof. It's about of tapping into your network of your own network and, 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 um, and building out that. And I think that um, that's something that I've now looking back, it's really something that I've, I started building um, back, you know, ever since 2010 and um, Y Combinator helped kick it off. Um, but then building up a, a great network of friends um, who, in my case, were actually some of my spin's first investors. Um, that was um, a, a big catalyst for 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 doing that. So it's it's no secret. I think uh, the way to, to access the a, a good investor network is really to kind of prove yourself to a whole bunch of people and um, 
um, being in the right place is also helpful here in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of people uh, plugged into those networks and um, they're always kind of keeping an eye out for good talent, uh, myself included. Obviously, I, I love uh, working with, um, with, with great uh, you know, the folks who, are, who share a passion for, for building great products. So um, obviously linking up would be uh, with myself is, is, uh, is another one, uh, another great way to do that. So the, I mean, the biggest answer is really it's networking and reputation is what I keep hearing from mm-hmm. you. What would you, yeah. what's more important, the, the character reputation of you as a person versus the actual idea and numbers and implementation, you know, kind of the possibility of the idea versus the person behind it. What would you put as the, is the most important when you're uh, pitching or talking with the, your network on it? It's really an end. I think that there's like, uh, and sometimes people keep tabs on, on other people. Uh, promising people and wait for them to, to come up with the right um, product or idea um, that, that really makes sense. Um, there's a lot, uh, even in, uh, although there is a trend of, of uh, in terms of seed capital raising, where um, where where uh, bets are made on, on on the person alone without regard to the the exact product and idea, because that that, that kind of changes over time. That's actually a really, really good answer. So similar to almost in the entertainment world where I've had a few like movie producers and actors on, you know, over time, and they'll say sometimes things like you go for an audition, but you show up on time and you have a good work ethic and you're kind to the receptionist and all these things, right? It's like your character shines through and they'll oftentimes Mm -hmm. say, you know, I didn't get that part, but they said, I like you and I have this other part. Would you audition for that one? Cause you'd be perfect for it. So if, they buy you, they might just be waiting for the idea that's the right idea to invest in. So cool. Yeah, like. that's a great, yeah, that's a great uh, parallel. Yeah, very cool. So let's talk about Spin coming out in 2017. I love how, how you describe it here on your website. You said, you know, it, it's a shared electric scooter company. So is yeah. it similar in a way to Uber? It's not really similar to Uber, is it? Or is it? Like, well, do, does each I mean, the mission is own it? Well, yeah, uh, the, the mission is the same. Ultimately, the service is about uh, helping people move around cities. So that, and um, we're a different product from Uber. And Certainly. Uh, the Uber experience is you, you open up an app, you tap a button, a driver comes to you and, and brings you. So that's great for, for most, uh, I guess, you know, city commutes and, and getting from one place to another. But the big problem we were looking to solve is, was what about that like, zero to two mile, zero to three mile? Uh, distance where waiting for a, a Uber in some cases, you know, can take up to uh, five to 10 minutes and you get stuck in. I'm looking at a traffic um, situation in jam outside my office here in San Francisco right now. And it would take literally 10 minutes to, to get from one end of the block to the other. Uh, what about those circumstances? Um, walking solves it if it's within a mile, but there's this kind of a, um, or within half a mile, depending on how sure. lazy you are. If you're like me, walking a block efficient. is efficient. less efficient. Yeah, <laughs> and and that was a that was the thing I had in mind when I saw um, this idea uh, that was that first um, got its legs in in China with some companies over there. They had left uh, bicycles around a city that anyone could unlock uh, by by scanning a QR code and uh, ride around and and leave it anywhere and lock it back up. Seeing the bikes in China gave us a quick uh, kind of jump off point, um, and it basically inspired. Realized that uh, that uh, 
it was a project that I wanted back home in San Francisco. I in, in China I was I was uh, I had this commute to the, the Starbucks a few uh, few streets away that was at least a fifteen minute walk, and uh, I, I realized that taking a, a bike there uh, really cut that that distance down to like a, a minute or so. And I realized that this was something that was um, this problem was not only something that existed in in Beijing but would um, would have an impact um, all the way. Uh, back in San Francisco and around other cities in, in the U.S. So w- w- would this also be, because when I read this, you know, it's like solves, the, and it's so great, solves the last mile transportation in American cities and campuses. So I'm imagining too, would this be useful for like, uh, uh, like New York, San Francisco, et cetera, you're doing metro, you're doing buses, you're doing trains, you live in Jersey, take the train in. And then now I go, oh, well, I'm in the train, but now what do I do? Do I, do I take a cab for the mile and a half to the office? Do I walk? Do I take an Uber? All of those are kind of poor choices for different reasons. Is this yep. the sort of place, is that the, the impetus for it is um, the city life that way? And then I see campus life, of course. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Talk, maybe the uh, difference between the two, are, are those two different markets for you? They are two different types of markets, but they're both equally uh, important and they both um, are equally strong in our minds. The campus uh, market is a bit different because there you have a, a closed uh, uh, an area that's closed off traffic, so you can't have an Uber. Uh, and, and getting around from one side to, to another often is, is a huge hike. Uh, in, in Ithaca, New York, uh, in, at Cornell, I used to you have to walk um, half an hour to class, and most of the times I just didn't. <laughs> so that was <laughs> how far and maybe you know these statistics how yeah what what are the the largest sizes from kind of side to side in a campus you could expect I don't, how, I how far don't can know. really I mean, know it was i mean but from half, like uh but a half hour campus walk. housing um yeah i think that was a uh, half an hour to an hour walk was uh what i mean i was living at least 15 to 20 minutes off campus um, back when back in Ithaca, New York. So uh, to get to the other side of campus was, was, a, was a tremendous hype. Uh, and we've, that's why we've seen the tremendous popularity of, of scooters on, on campuses. And uh, we actually just won a, a contract for um, University of Michigan uh, in, and the, the town of Ann Arbor over there. So you'll Ann Arbor. Be seeing some, yeah, you'll be seeing some spin scooters there. We're pretty excited to be rolling out uh, on that campus to get, um, and, and with all, all campuses, you have things like the, um, the, the hockey rink or anything that's a little bit further out there. So there are places that um, people want to get to in cities the the story is a bit different. It's about congestion and creating, uh, this smaller than car form factor. Think about it. Um, the, the force or the five seater car, uh, really isn't the most efficient way of really moving people around. It was developed in a different era for the highways uh, and for moving people over larger distances uh, in, in a smaller distance to get you from from anywhere from one to three miles. It it takes up an awful lot of space and well, for, and for, for also just designed, one person. And sorry to interrupt, but it's also designed to move yeah. multiple people, right? Like you have this, like when Correct. you start seeing the smart cars, you go, it's only two seater. Uh, yep. And it's like, well, but then what's the alternative? Up until now, I would think it's either, like you said, it's it's pedal bike and skateboard. I've seen those on campuses. Yep. And that, of course, still there's that physical effort of, I don't want to get sweaty. I'm on the way to class, you know, like what the heck, or on the way to work. And then you have yep. your motorcycles, right? And I know, you know, the the story of um, uh, you know, Honda and Kawasaki when they're first getting the idea of putting a, an engine on a bicycle. 
But now you have, of course, you know, motorcycles are um, class M license. You're still in traffic. 49 out of 50 states, you can't lane split like you can in California. So yep. motorcycles, I would see, and I hope not taking the story out of your mouth, but I, I'm, I see where you're going with it. <laughs> it's already, yep. these are not good solutions. So when did you, did you instantly think scooter, that's the way? Electric, we got the electric motor done and done. Is that the solution? Mm -hmm. Or did you guys play around with other, you know, electric skateboards or let's, you know, get a kite or something? Did you think of other, <laughs> or was it scooters from the beginning? No, so, so all modes are still fair game for us. We're, um, we're, we're pretty, and I am too, pretty problem focused. I care, and I care less about the exact form factor of scooters uh, as of today uh, has proven to be most um, uh, kind of, the, the product that's liked the most by the market, but that's, I don't think that's a be all end all. And, and actually we, we started with the pedal bicycles, like the regular analog uh, bicycle with pedals that you move with your feet. So that's what we launched in, uh, in 2017, because at the time in, uh, this is some, we launched in, in South by Southwest uh, in Austin in March of 2017. And at the time that was the, uh, the, the, the most affordable option, micro vehicle option we had at the time, a fancy name for a bicycle. Um, micro that was, options. <laughs> like, that was uh, the, the cheapest, it, you know, it cost us a, a couple hundred bucks per, per bike. Uh, it did the job. It had a, an IoT lock. Um, there are a few things that check the box here. Uh, there are, you need, you need this vehicle to carry one person. You need it to be uh, able to go into bike lanes to, to get around traffic. And uh, you need to let a lot of people ride it. Unlike a motorcycle, you don't need a special license to, to ride it, uh, this, this, this vehicle. Uh, and uh, it needs to be user-friendly. It needs to be able to be parked on the sidewalk. That's a big, that's a big thing as well. Parking uh -huh. is another nightmare. So that's, that's a big thing. Like motorcycle parking, you can't just dump your motorcycle or, or leave it on the sidewalk. Um, but what we realized with uh, bikes that was that a there's a lot of unused parking space uh, on city streets and uh, in most cities you can actually just legally park a, a bike on a sidewalk even if there isn't a, a proper bike stand as long as it was it wasn't interfering the, the right of way so that was a that was a those are the things that that made it um, made the, the bicycle a, a real um, version one of this this product uh, and it could get you. Parking also solved that last the door-to-door -door problem, so that's a, that's a big part of a lot of uh, you know Zipcar is great and and um, other uh, even the old bike share solutions were were decent, but they both left you within you know a few blocks of where you actually needed to go, and when your total distance traveled was only a few blocks anyway, um, having that kind of short change at the end just made it uh, you know felt incomplete. So bicycles were uh, were a kickoff point. So so explain maybe to, for all of us a little more detail in the difference then, because when you talked about zip cars, I'm familiar with the concept. Never used one myself though, so mm -hmm. I'm assuming there's going to be a depot, right? There's going to be a place where you get the zip car from, and then you probably have to return the zip car into a zip car like return area. How yep. how is spin different? You said door to door. I'm just trying to imagine like the logistical nightmare on your end that I'm sure you have a great solution for. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to take my, my uh, scooter and I'm going to drive it to my friend's apartment or something. Do, what do I do with it? Do I just, I leave it there and lock it up and does it ping where it is or does yep. someone come and get it? Or do I have to go to the closest spin depot? How does that work? 
Yeah, that's the that's the beauty and genius in, in this whole system. Um, in in previous times, we had bike share systems like City Bike in in New York, where there were depots. That's a reasonable solution. Sure. Um, but but that helped me kind of uh, left me kind of wanting more. Speaking of noticing inefficiencies, I I did have a few experiences with City Bike and then uh, Barclays Bikes in London. I remember this one time I had a, a bike in London. And I just couldn't find a, a you couldn't find the depot. And when I found it, was realized it was further than uh, where I wanted to go. <laughs> and you're like, and now I'm on the other side of town. Like, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a, 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 a kind of like uh, a lot of these half baked solutions kind of irk me. And I notice when they're a little bit. I see the point, uh, but I, I notice the the flaw in their design. Yes. Uh, and and the 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 beauty about this leave anywhere or stationless mobility concept which which Finn helped pioneer we were actually the first to to launch any kind of stationless mobility system uh is that we allow users to park them in in uh, basically on on the sidewalk um and, and work with cities to come up with a, a reasonable mode of regulating this parking but because they're small vehicles bicycles scooters uh these can be reasonably parked on on sidewalks or parking um on, on bikes also we have a uh, we have a GPS enabled lock on these scooters um, and, and bikes in previous years, and and we would uh, you can just basically lock them up, and uh, it's our operations crew that comes by and gathers them up, um, recharges them, and deploys them on the street the very next day. Gotcha. Okay, so so there's like depot station. So I'm imagining this then. So you're gonna pick a central spot like next to you know in the metro station or in the bus or the train area and you're going to have a, a spot that i can get off a big mode of transportation i'm sure or an airport or something yep and then go to where the scooters are and then from there i take it wherever i want and that's part of mm-hmm. you know, what's what's the um i'll come to that in a second so that that's what i end up doing then i can drop it where i want the operations mm-hmm. cu- crew comes through like fedex collects everything during the night drops them back off at the and charges them, which is nice. So you know it's gonna yep. be fresh, it's gonna be charged, it's gonna be ready to go. How far can you go on a single like scooter charge? That's an interesting question, actually. Um, let's and see. This you doesn't can... have to be the official answer. Let's just put that right. being taped, right? Uh, but I mean, roughly, like, is this they're good for a couple of miles? They're good for they go a few hours on a charge. Uh, a few hours, okay. It, it definitely lasts. Yeah, it's a uh, it lasts for an entire day. And it really depends on on the, the these these scooters are the scooter technology is improving and the battery life is improving by uh, by the month actually, um, but they're designed to last an entire day's worth of, of use. Um, and uh, I forgot the exact breakdown off the top of my head, but um, the, that was another big um, another big breakthrough. It was the extension of the kind of battery life in, in recent years that that has made this all possible and. Mm-hmm. Obviously, much more impractical if we're talking about the gas-powered scooters on on city streets. So a bit of a more dangerous proposition as well. I think that the uh, the, the battery life here has been a big component of, of uh, the success of these things. Hey, can we pivot real quick? And we'll kind of, I know we're coming to the to uh, close to the end of our time together. And thank you so much for being just not so open and um, and transparent about everything. I really enjoyed our time together, you and. Guys, you can yep. follow Ewan at uh, Instagram at Ewan and Twitter at Ewan. It's E-U-W-Y-N. Uh, Ewan Poon, I'm talking with, is the founder of Spin Electric Scooter Sharing. Uh, now, Spin also was acquired by Ford in November 2018. 
to be its micro mobility unit. Um, talk to me a little bit about the, the, let's talk about the financial side and certainly, you yeah. know, anything that's proprietary, you know, you don't have to share. Um, mm -hmm. Two things is one, just the membership side of it. So how do you run the finances for clients? Is it a monthly membership? Is it per mile I use? Is it a combination of that? How do you, or is it, what, what's the structure it's, it's, for someone to play with this? It's time-based actually. Yeah, it's a dollar to unlock within 15 cents a minute. Uh, wow. For use. Yep. It's pretty, and is, there a, uh, is there a monthly membership? Uh, as a, as no, a, actually, it's, it's pay as you go. And, and that's, uh, that's incredible. Uh, I, I like it's a it's affordable way to get around. It's oftentimes half the price or less of an Uber equivalent Uber ride, uh, and and that's what it's a, it's a it's kind of a great win win proposition for everyone around consumer uh, to us as a business, um, and so that that works out well for everyone. So a dollar to unlock, fifteen cents a minute. So if you're going to go however far it is, a mile or something, I mean it can't. I mean, you could walk a mile in 10, 12 minutes at a reasonable pace. So I'm assuming, you know, to go a mile on a scooter is going to be what, five minute ride or something? It goes about 15 miles an hour. So, but uh, let's say that, um, let's see. Whatever, that's four minutes a mile? It's about four minutes or so. If yeah, you didn't yeah. have to stop. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's pretty. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about like if you're going four or five minutes, that's, uh, do the math for me, about 75 cents. So, so it's a dollar 75 to go a mile ish. Yep. And, uh, man, that's, that's just what, what a great simple solution. Right. How last kind of set of questions here, if you don't mind, um, getting acquired by four, I mean, that's a big deal, you know, to have a huge parent company come in and take things up. Did, did things change drastically at that point for you? Did they scoop you up and say, now you're in this building and now here's all this funding or, or was it, a um, are you still kind of maintaining what you're doing, but now you have, more backing. What's what was the the decision making for saying yes or no potentially to a company a student mm -hmm. like Ford? Right, we were looking at different options for scaling the company, and this uh, you know made it was a it was a kind of tough decision for us. Obviously, we lo love scaling the company to date, but uh, a lot of things made this kind of partnership feel right. A it was um, there was a lot of philosophical alignment uh, between us and and Ford's mission as well. They were looking at this not as a you know, this is a a core part of their their mobility strategy. Um, in fact, uh, having now learned more about you know Ford's mission um, in, in in years past, it was um, based on this idea of giving people the freedom of movement. And in in, in the early part of the last kind of century, the um, the way to do this was by making affordable cars. And and things are changing. Um, you know, rapidly as decades kind of go by. Um, a lot of people can make affordable car, cars now. Things are, uh, the, uh, the landscape is changing and, um, and the problem has changed as well. It's not about getting more cars. It's about now, that, how do you deal with so many cars in cities? And uh, creating this um, smaller than car form factor has, is, um, has been uh, at top of their minds and, and we fit perfectly into this strategy. And things have been just, uh, Kind of skyrocketing here. I mean, we've been given the, the resources we need to grow. We still run as our own independent unit, uh, have our own offices here, and scale the team now uh, over to around, including all our um, operations personnel, probably around 250 around the, the US right now. And 210 times. Team. Wow. Yep. And that's about 10 times more than what we started with at the time of the acquisition. We were a smaller team at the time of the acquisition. Um, 
and we are also quite philosophically aligned on our strategy with the partnering with cities. Something that's something that, um, really core to uh, how we how we rolled out. We didn't overrun cities. There, we had competitors come in at, at the outset and basically dump scooters on streets. We chose always to partner with cities and campuses, and that's how we've been uh, been winning them. And, and obviously, Ford has been a great brand name and American partner to a lot of cities and campuses. And uh, we've been working very closely with them on on how to build a long term solution and not just a, a, a large scale experiment, a messy experiment. We we think that this is great potential. We want to do it right. I, I really love the approach to that too. Is you're I mean you're looking at this as a, as a partnership, not a let me come in and invade what you're doing or let me you know like I could imagine right doing that the wrong way if someone else was mm-hmm. leading the ship going in and yep. saying, we're just going to do it. And hey, who cares how it looks? And all of a sudden now cities are going, we got to do something about all these scooters around. And and rather you're taking the approach of, listen, this is something you're going to want to help. We're going to do this. And now you might, I don't know, would you like maybe even pick uh, a spot to go and the city goes, hey, this is the spot we want to do. Um, so are you finding really positive support back from the cities and the campuses? Um, it seems like you would. Right, absolutely. And that's why, um, for example, Ann Arbor and the uh, uh, University of Michigan just kind of went with us as a company um, because of our commitment and our willingness to, to work with them. Ultimately, we think our, our consumers are not, just, um, not our, just ourselves, it's for everyone in the community, whether or not they're riding our scooters or they're not riding our scooters. And uh, I think there's a good balance of, um, of everything that goes in. So a big part of it is, 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 um, is also constraining our fleets to, to, to match the um, the, the actual demand in a city and not to put as many out there that they would it by itself cause another kind of traffic jam. So now you got um, scooter, limiting, scooter jams. Yeah, soon you might. Uh, I think that also working to build long-term infrastructure and the right regulations around this has been, uh, been fun. And um, we helped introduce the first uh, scooter permit in Seattle. That's been a model that's been used a lot, a bunch of, by a bunch of a lot of cities. Um, so that's uh, that's part of our, our contribution to the space. Fabulous. Well, let, let me just plug one more thing for you too. Is you know, I know if you're listening to this, you know, there's obviously a ton of entrepreneurs listening. But if you are connected, or you're going to school, or you're connected with a, a university, or um, working somewhere in government or in metro, check out you know Spin. Uh, right here on your website. I love this. It, you also mentioned it says no cost to the university. So spin covers hundred yeah. percent of the equipment marketing operational costs. So you're really, really are looking at partnering. You're not dumping them there. You're saying, how is this going to help your, your current students, your, uh, your business commuters, whatever it is you're working on. So that's phenomenal. You can find out more at spin.pm, PM, like AM, PM, spin.pm. And you can find out more about Ewan at, at Ewan.com, E-U-W-Y-N.com and follow him on social media, Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. Um, Ewan, final thoughts before I let you go. I thank you for all your time today. Um, looking at this company, what is what do you think, what do you believe, if you can share it, is next for spin? You started with bikes, you moved to scooters, you're, I'm sure you're going to be taking over the world pretty quickly here. Um, what do you uh, see yeah. is maybe the next macro or micro strategy? Uh, is it expansion? Is it a new product line? What are you excited about? I'm excited about uh, bringing it to all cities in, in the U.S. And, and potentially internationally as well. I think that um, in, over the last year, we've seen 
a great introduction of this concept and now scaling it and make it part of everyday use and also building up the in infrastructure around it. We think that there's a ton that needs to go into bike and scooter lanes to make this uh, a real everyday um, useful product that becomes as prevalent as cars on the streets. I think the my vision is to help you know move cities be uh, be more or less kind of car free in downtown environments and return the, the city streets to people and and, and um, let us kind of live and enjoy that uh, as we as we do. Well, I'm excited for the future of Spin. Excited for your future, my friend. I'm sure it's very, very bright. And I know this is the most recent uh, entrepreneurship uh, endeavor you're in. I'm sure it won't be the last for your uh, incredibly creative mind. Ewan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I sure appreciate you, brother. Great. Thanks. Guys, thanks for listening to the show. If you like this, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I sure appreciate that as well. Let uh, Get the word out. Share this. You've been listening to The Driven Entrepreneur. And of course, I've had my guest, Ewan Poon, the founder of Spin, a co-founder of Spin with his three friends, all originally from Singapore, moved to Canada, started so many great, uh, great endeavors. And after Spin was acquired by Ford, November 2018. They are out there and just crushing it, changing what they call micro mobility. So check out spin, spin.pm and check out you. And I think you'll really, really enjoy the story and find out how you can get involved and bring it to your city or your campus. Thanks for listening.